This is Real Live Talk. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen, to watch, to however you're checking out this podcast. Really, really appreciate you being here. If this is your first time here, I normally have a guest. This is normally a conversational interview style podcast. Uh, but every once in a while, I'm just going to do one of these on my own. Today's one of those days. I have some things on my heart that I really want to uh, talk about and share about. I'm going to do a little bit of teaching. If you see the title, you already know what this is going to be about. But just in case you don't see it, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to talk about a biblical strategy for how you can deal with stress, worry, anxiety, all of these kinds of things that I think that we so often allow to play out in our minds and to really become controlling factors in our lives. And guess what? It's really not necessary. And we have a higher reality. We have some higher truths that we can cling to, that we can apply to our lives, that we can allow to be the governing force calling the shots in our lives and not being um, ruled by these things that are really destructive in nature when we allow them to just kind of have their way with us. And so I want to talk to you about a biblical strategy for dealing with these things, stress, anxiety, worry, even frustration and fear and things like that, and how we can really begin to live in and operate in the peace of God. So I want to do all of that. I'm going to just uh, stall here for about a minute or two and give some folks for those that are checking this out live uh, a couple of minutes here or whatever to just kind of connect. And this gives me a chance to talk about some things that I don't normally talk about here because normally I have a guest that I'm more interested in talking about them and promoting their stuff and what they're doing. But this does give me an opportunity to just also mention a couple of things that are some resources that I do have that are available to you. Number one would be my website, simplepowermedia.com. I'll put it up on the screen there, simplepowermedia.com. Uh, almost everything on there is completely free other than I think I've got some uh, online courses and some books on there that you could purchase. But a lot of free resources, articles and videos and audios and different things. Mostly this website is geared toward aspects of your walk with the Lord um, that deal with experiencing God's presence and power and really practically experiencing the presence of God in daily life. That's sort of the the general theme behind a lot of the teachings and things like that that are available. You can also check out the other podcast and you can link to it right from there. It's called Simple Power, um, the Simple Power Podcast. And um, yeah, I've got a book called Simple Power on there as well, in case you're not noticing that theme yet. But uh, yeah, I believe that it's there's simplicity in experiencing God, experiencing his goodness and experiencing his presence and his power think that we overcomplicate things and that's where a lot of our problems come from and when we can learn to keep it simple and just trust what God says and look at the Bible and live that way so anyway simplepowermedia.com is a place where you can go to find some more resources on those kinds of things and more and uh, I also just want to mention to you as well that I am going to be teaching a free online class. It starts this coming Tuesday, September the 7th. The class is called Introduction to a Life of Miracles. A lot of the principles I'm going to be teaching in the class are based off of that first book that I wrote, Simple Power. It's really designed as a crash course to help you learn to live a supernatural lifestyle and experience God's presence in daily life and his power and how you can impact the world around you uh, through the power of God, through the demonstration of his power. And that's something that's available to every single believer. I'm very passionate about that. I believe that it's for every believer. You know, Jesus said all kinds of things that that give us permission to do that. Like when Jesus sent out his disciples, he was like, uh, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. He didn't tell them, go and pray for the sick. He said, go out and heal the sick. He gave them authority in Luke chapter nine, I think it is, um, tells he he tells his disciples that he he gave them, uh, excuse me, excuse me, the Bible tells us that he gave his disciples power and authority over sickness and disease. And so that's something that's available to you and I right now. And um, Jesus said in, in uh, the last chapter of the gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 16, he's 
uh, basically tell, he tells his disciples, these signs will follow those who believe. And then he lists all these different things in my name. They will uh, cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They'll take up serpents. We get some weird ideas out of, out of the serpent thing. But then he says they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. And um, I just believe there's more to it than healing. Uh, but I do, I do believe that that learning to demonstrate the power of God in terms of praying for other people um, for miracles and for healing and, and stuff like that, that it really just becomes a really practical way that we can learn to demonstrate his nature, to demonstrate the love of the Father, the goodness of God. I mean, that's what Jesus did everywhere that he went. People always came to him. They would listen to him teach, but he would always heal them. He was always moved with compassion. He would always meet their need. A lot of times it was healing or it was casting out a demon of somebody's kid or something like that, or it was multiplying food or just all these different ways that Jesus got involved in people's lives and uh, really demonstrated the gospel message, the message of the kingdom with signs, wonders, and miracles following. And yeah, what was I talking about? I think I was talking about the class that I'm going to be teaching. That's what it's about. It's about how you and I can learn how to do that. Regular Christians like you and me, how we can learn how to operate in and experience the power of God and live in his presence and enjoy his presence and get to know him uh, in experiential ways. And so I would love for you to take this class. It's called introduction to a life of miracles. And let's see, I think I actually have, I could pull this up on the screen so you can kind of see it. It's going to kick off this coming Tuesday, September 7th at 7 PM and that's central time. And let's see, it's going to run for six weeks on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. The class is not going to be live like this. It's going to be via Zoom. So that's the reason that you do need to register. You can register on my Facebook page at DK Lamastra. Or if you just want to send me a message or something like that, I'll be happy to share the link with you. All I need is your name and email address. It's really simple. I'm not sharing your information with anybody. I just need your email address so that I can share the link with you. And I can also send you some uh, additional resources when the time comes for that. So time's running out. We've only got a few days left. You basically need to be registered uh, between now and Sunday. So I just want to invite you to go ahead and reserve your spot if you're interested in taking that class. If you want to share that registration link with someone that you know, that'd be awesome as well. All are welcome. Doesn't matter what country you're in. Just make sure that you do the time adjustment accordingly, depending on where you're located in the world. I know I've got uh, some folks over um, in the continent of Africa that are looking to take the class. And it's a little bit tricky sometimes, like 7 p.m. for me might be two in the morning for somebody else. And so I know it gets a little bit tricky, but uh, we'll work it out. So, so yeah, anyway, I hope that you will join me for that class. I'm really looking forward to teaching it and I think it's going to bring some value into your life. So let's do that. Is there anything else? I want to invite you to check out some of the past episodes, the episode that just came out this past Monday with Dr. Fount Lee Schultz was awesome. I believe that was a life-changing conversation. That's really what I'm after with this podcast in general, except for days like this where I'm by myself, are these sort of transformational conversations and, you know, talking about stuff that matters. And 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 Brother Fount, Dr. Fount Schultz, he brought out some things that were um, just so essential. He talked about like how we can overcome like self-esteem issues and things like that. We talked about marriage, longevity in marriage and ministry. This is a man who's been in ministry for, what did we say? I think 64 years. Um, just amazing, amazing stuff. Since 1957, he's been serving the Lord in ministry. And uh, anyway, that episode was awesome. There's a lot of other episodes in the past that were awesome that I would love for you to go back and check those out. If you are interested in supporting me in any way, supporting this show, rather, uh, you can do that by liking, by subscribing, by leaving a review. If you want to figure, if you want to know when these live episodes are coming out in the future, if you like the Facebook page at DK Lamastra, you'll get automatically notified every time I go live. And uh, if you're listening to this on one of the podcast platforms, if you consider subscribing and leaving a review, that would just be absolutely amazing. Really, really appreciate it. Anyway, let me go ahead and jump into some stuff here. I want to talk to you about this thing of peace and learning how to really deal with some of these things that I think that we, again, so often allow to become controlling forces in our in our life, can take over our thoughts, take over the way that we think, really infiltrate and affect our, our thought life. 
And it's, you know, these things like stress and worry and fear and anxiety. I think so often we can allow these things that are clearly, I'm going to demonstrate to you from scripture, that these things do not come from God. These And, and they can really become like stress. Okay, let's just talk about stress for a second. Um, we could say that there could be some motivating factors behind stress. We could say that stress is actually, you know, maybe in certain circumstances, it could be good for you. You know, I know that there's people who say, well, I just do my work better when I'm under pressure and stuff like that. I'm kind of, I, I'm, I don't like to, I don't know. I don't like to put that on myself. Like, don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby? Like, I, I, I don't, I don't like to say that anymore because I think that it's kind of an excuse. <laughs> I've definitely used it as an excuse, but there is something about being under pressure that sometimes like brings, it allows you to access places in your mind or access places of, of creativity that you wouldn't normally do when everything was just normal and neat and comfortable. So I'm not talking about like the physical aspect of stress. What I'm talking about is when we become stressed out, that's an issue. That's a problem. It's a, it's a problem when we become stressed out, when we get to that point of worry, when we get to that point of anxiety, when we get to that point where it's just like, you know, these things that become controlling forces and factors in our lives. And we're just not supposed to live that way. I, I want to share, I've got several scriptures kind of swirling around in my mind that we could look at. I don't know if I'm going to hit all of them because I'm not going to take all day to do this. Um, but uh, let me start in this place. I want to, I want to just read to you Psalm 61, the first two verses. David says, hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Let me read the next verse too, because it's awesome. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I'll read the next verse. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. I'm glad I read that verse too, because trust is such a big factor. Like when it comes to, in the life of the believer, when it comes to being stressed out and being frustrated and 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 being fearful and all these things, really what it is, most of the time, I think that it comes down to a lack of trust. I always say this, that fear really operates in the future. If you've ever, if you've ever seen the movie, there's a movie called After Earth and it's really got, it's got this section right in the middle of the movie where Will Smith, the character, Will Smith's character is talking to his son in the movie and there he starts talking about fear. And if you've never seen the movie, I would just encourage you to like, even just, you know, YouTube or Google this scene because it's, it's super cool. And it's given me like my favorite definition of fear that I've ever heard. He tells his son, he says, fear is not real. And then he says, fear can only exist in our thoughts of the future. Then he goes on and it gets really even, you know, even more profound, but he says, fear can only exist in our thoughts of the future. When we're becoming stressed out, when we're becoming anxious and worried, all of that is based in fear and all fear is based on a lie. Fear is not real. It exists in our thoughts of the future. And what often happens is we have these thoughts like, what if? What if this happens? What if this falls apart? What if this doesn't work out? What if I lose my job? What if COVID? What if the vaccine? What if all these problems, right? And so we look ahead to things that haven't happened yet, but that we've got this thing, like these scenarios playing out in our minds that we really allow to become controlling forces and factors in our lives. And it leads us into this downward spiral of fear. And so often, if we let it go unchecked, it will it will lead to things like depression. It'll lead to things like burnout. It'll lead to these things that just we can get into a really nasty place because that's what happens when we give place to fear, when we give place to the enemy. Look, it's one thing to have a fearful thought come into your mind. Oh, well, what if, you know, you, you get that you get that bill in the mail that you weren't expecting? Oh, man, I forgot about this what if I can't pay my rent this month? Or, you know, what if I don't have money to feed my family this month? Real stuff, right? You are not in sin because that thought came in your head. I want you to know that <laughs> you are not in sin because that thought came into your head. But what happens is that you actually have a responsibility to deal with that thought. As a child of God, as a believer, you have a right you have a God-given ability, and you also have, I believe, a responsibility to deal with that thought in the right way. 
Because you can either, you can take that thought, you can dismiss it, you can tell it to go to hell, you can tell it to whatever, but you could also begin to partner with that thought. And what I mean by partnering with that thought is you can begin to just kind of go down that path that it, having that internal dialogue within yourself, a sort of internal thought process where now you're taking that thought and you're accepting it as your own. You know, in um, Matthew chapter six, it, when Jesus is talking to his, he's teaching and he's talking about do not worry. He says in the New King James Bible, I usually read, I spend most of my time in the New King James Bible. He says, do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we wear? What shall we, etc." In the uh, regular King James, he says, take no thought saying, take no thought saying. So that thought comes into your head. You have an opportunity to either reject that thought or take that thought as your own. Once you begin to take that thought as your own saying that internal dialogue that, oh, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? What if this doesn't work out? What if I get fired? What if they find out about this? What if they find out that I, I made this mistake? What if, what if, what if, what if? And so we allow these things to become controlling forces in our lives. But, Je but uh, excuse me, not Jesus, David says, look, when my heart is overwhelmed, when my heart is overwhelmed, from the end of the earth, I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. See, when you and I get overwhelmed, when stuff comes into our lives, comes into our minds, when we're dealing with negative circumstances, when we're walking through tragedy, we're dealing with the, the, these things that happen in life sometimes. We're walking through these circumstances. It's like, I don't need to go just internal and 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 start this internal dialogue of what if and all these different things that happen what i need to do is allow jesus allow the holy spirit to lead me to the rock that is higher than me to lead me to that place of trust and confidence in him he is your rock he's unmovable he does not change i promise you that as surprised as you may have been by the circumstances that you're dealing with, he was not surprised. There's never a time where you go to God and you're like, God, this is my problem. This is what happened. And God is like shocked. Like there's never a time where God faints or falls over or falls off of his throne. As we say, like there's never a time where God is like, oh no, what are we going to do? I didn't know that that was going to happen. What are we going to do? Like that doesn't happen. He never Every time you, you go to him with something that's overwhelming your heart, he already knows and he already has the solution. He has what you need. He knows you perfectly and he's ready. He, like, he's ready to deal with whatever problem you might be facing. So when my heart is overwhelmed, David says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And so let's, uh, let's, let's go somewhere. Let's go somewhere real quick. I want to get into something. There's another passage in Matthew. We'll go to Matthew chapter 11, another sort of familiar passage when it comes to talking about worry and stuff like this. The last few verses, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And look, I didn't mention this before. Anybody that might be uh, watching this online, following along through if you're live or even checking it out later and you're not live, Feel free to leave a comment. If you're live, I'll try to get to your comment. I'll see. I have comments that come from a few different places. So I don't always see them right away. Um, but I'll uh, do my best. If you have a question or anything like that, I would love to uh, bring it out and uh, and uh, see if I can help out in any way like that. So just feel free to do that. If you're listening on one of the podcast platforms later on, you can't obviously leave a comment right there. But uh, feel free to reach back out to me on social media or whatever, and we can maybe have a a more interesting dialogue or conversation. But anyway, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, come to me, Jesus says, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, I will give you rest. Rest is such an important aspect of our relationship with God, because the way that the rest of God works, it's like you can be walking through something, circumstances that are very unrestful. You can be in circumstances that are extremely unpeaceful, 
And yet you can still have peace in your heart and you can still be living your life and operating from a place of rest. That's one of the things that Jesus came to secure for us. When you labor, when you're heavy laden, when you have weight on you, when you're carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders, when you're feeling the weight of that guilt, the weight of that shame, that depression, that anger, that anxiety, that addiction, that sin habit, that problem that you're facing when you're carrying that and it's weighing you down, Jesus is like, look, come to me with that. Come to me with that thing that's got you stressed out. Come to me with that thing that's got you feeling like you're under all this pressure, right? And I will give you rest. In other words, there's an exchange that takes place where we're actually allowed to give those things to God and to take his rest upon us. And he says, take my yoke upon you. The the thing about a yoke a yoke is it's not the little thing that's in the center of an egg. A yoke, what he's talking about here is the, like basically like a wooden harness. In most cases, it was wooden. But these harnesses that they would put on oxen so that the driver could steer the oxen. So he's like, take my yoke upon you. And then he goes on and he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God's not trying to burden you with all of these extra things to hurt you and to harm you and to fill you up with pressure. God's not like that. God wants you to be free. That's really what this is about. And that's what my heart in this whole thing is today is I want you to experience more freedom. I want you to experience the free freedom that is so freely even made available to you in the presence of God because he's come to give you rest and he's come to give you joy and peace and strength and everything that you need. And it's all found in his presence. Okay. So he says, take my yoke upon you. In other words, let me be the one that's in charge here. Let me be the one that's in charge of steering your life, of guiding you, of leading you, of directing you. Don't allow that frustrating thing. Don't allow that frustrating person on your job. Don't allow what the news cycle is saying. Like, don't allow these different things to cloud your thinking to the point that they're dictating the direction of your life, the direction of your thought life, the direction of the way that you're thinking and, and, and going down that downward spiral in your mind of these thoughts because you're allowing these things, these other things, these inferior things to control and to dictate the way that you think, act, behave, respond, etc. He says, no, 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 no. Let's let's get rid of that. Let's let's reset the switch here. Let's hit the reset button. And I want you to take my yoke upon you. And I want you to know that it's okay to take my yoke upon you. And I want you to know that it's okay to not feel like you have to be in control of all of your circumstances all the time, but it's actually okay to surrender those things to me and to rest in me. And like, do I want to go there? If, if you, if you just look at Hebrews chapter four, um, Hebrews chapter four, I think it's verse 10. It's kind of like, to me, a really good, gives us a really good picture um, of, of rest, of what the rest that God gives is really all about. It says, for he who has entered his rest has himself ceased from his labors as God did from his. When you enter into God's rest, let me read you another verse because it's, it's important. Um, what verse is that? <laughs> oh, it's the uh, same chapter, verse three, Hebrews four, three says, for we who have believed do enter that rest. If we go back up to the previous chapter, the last verse, it says, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. All right, let me uh, unpack this. So children of Israel was talking about, they couldn't enter into the rest of God because of their unbelief, because of their unbelieving heart, because of the hardness of their heart. Their heart was hardened and they were led into like rebellion, but there was a lack of belief. They didn't believe God. They didn't believe that he was good enough, that he was faithful enough, that he was big enough, that he was strong enough, whatever. There was unbelief there. And so their unbelief kept them from entering into the rest of God. Now in chapter four, verse three, it says, we who have believed, we enter that rest. So we enter into the rest of God, check this out, through belief. We're, I tell people this all the time. We're called believers for a reason. We're supposed to believe him. We're supposed to believe that he's good, that he's faithful, that he's real, that this book is true, that he's like that he's going to come through on his promises, right? And so when, when we believe him, then we can trust him. You know, if trust is lacking in our lives, I would just encourage you, like check your belief system. 
And this is coming from somebody who has to constantly check his belief system because constantly over and over again, I'm just reminded of, you know what, God? Like, I feel like that guy who, who had that encounter with Jesus and he was like, I believe, help my unbelief. <laughs> he wasn't contradicting himself. He was saying, I believe, but there's parts of me that probably don't believe enough and help those areas of me, right? None of us are perfect in this. None of us are perfect in this and that's okay. But we enter into his rest to the extent that we believe him to the extent that we trust him, to the extent that we believe that he is who he says he is. Because look, we can all sing the worship songs and we can all quote the Bible verses and we can all get really excited in a moment and talk about how good God is and how faithful God is. But what's even more important than that, as important as it is, and as much as I love that, what's really important too are those moments when you're by yourself, when you're laying on your bed at night, when you're going through your financial statement, when you're, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. And when, uh, when fear or anxiety or worry or anything like that starts to try to take over and starts to try to grip your heart and starts to try to come into your mind, that there's this thing that just sort of wells up within you that called belief, called faith, called trust. It says, you know what? I recognize that my circumstances don't look great right now and I don't even have all the answers right now, but I trust you enough, God. And I believe you enough that I know that I can sit in this situation and I can be in a place of rest and I can be in a place of peace even when there's turmoil out here. You know, I love the fact that I go to this all the time, but I love the fact that Jesus stood up in that storm, right? He stood up in that storm when everybody else, like, so Jesus was asleep in the stern of this boat and all the disciples were in the boat and they were freaking out. They were going crazy because there was a storm that broke out and the boat was filling up with water and Jesus was asleep. And I love it. It says he was asleep on a pillow. Very cool. I think it's uh, Mark chapter four, verse 39. I think that's, I know it's around there, but anyway, he was asleep on a pillow <laughs> and they're freaking out and they wake him up and they're like, Jesus, there's a storm. There's water coming in the ship. Do you not care that we're perishing? And so Jesus gets up and everyone else is freaking out, you know, and we can say they were justified in freaking out because there was a storm and they thought they were going to die and they were frantic and whatever. But you know, even in situations like that, even when it's crazy, even when we don't have the answers and even when there's turmoil, whatever there is, whatever's going on, I'm going to show you a verse in a minute. It's going to like put the nail in the coffin on this thing. There is no issue that you could be facing that is worth you losing your peace over. There's no situation, there's no difficulty so bad that it's worth you like getting into anxiety and worry and fear over. Now I'm not, I'm not denying that your circumstance might be bad, it might be, might be really difficult and I might not have any idea, you know, what it feels like. But even in that, we can maintain this confidence and trust and, and continue to operate from a place of rest and peace, even in the midst of those terrifying circumstances. And so Jesus, in the midst of this storm where everyone else was freaking out, he stood up, he spoke to the wind, he spoke to the waves, he said, peace, be still. And immediately everything was calmed and they were safe <laughs> and they were okay. Now, why was Jesus able to do that? Why was Jesus able to, to release peace over the storm that was swirling around him? I'll tell you why. Because he himself was operating from a place of peace. He himself was operating from a place of rest. We can see the fact that he was sleeping. He was resting in the midst of the storm. And I'm telling you right now that God wants you to rest in the midst of the conflict, of the storm, of the terrifying, perplexing circumstances that you're going through. He wants you to be able to rest. I love what David says in Psalm 23, uh, I guess it's verse five. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You prepare a table before me. Guess what? God wants your enemy to watch you enjoying God's presence and enjoying life in the midst of the negative circumstances that he's trying to bring you down with. God wants you to experience joy and peace and rest and satisfaction in his presence to the point of, of overflowing out of you in the midst of even the most difficult circumstances you could be going through. I just want to tell somebody because I think that somebody needs to hear this. I don't know. <laughs> it's not over. It's not over. I'm telling you, it is not over. No matter what you no matter how bad it looks, no matter what they've told you. I know I know that sometimes sometimes we get knocked down so hard in life. Sometimes we go through things that are so difficult or so tragic or so perplexing that we begin to define our lives based on that thing, right? That thing begins to define us and we begin, we can begin to believe this lie that we're going to be stuck in this pit of despair or of, you know, whatever it is that we're going to be just stuck there forever. I'm telling you, that is a lie. That is a lie from the enemy. It is not too late. It is not over. Your circumstances are not too difficult for God to break through and to bring restoration. That's what he's so good. It's like he's so good at that. He's so good at taking the worst things ever and turning them around and using them for your good. He's so good at redeeming the most negative stuff ever. He's so good at that. And so I just, I want to, I want to encourage somebody to begin to operate in this, from this place of peace and from this place of rest. The enemy is such a pervert. Like he's, he's so quick to try to pervert stuff in our minds and he'll grab hold of anything that he possibly can to, to try to just twist it and manipulate it to get you to think that you're less valuable than you are to get you to think that God is less faithful than he is, to get you to think that that problem is worse than it really is. You know, just to get your focus off, like he can't do anything to separate you from God. He does not have that authority. He does not have that power over you. The enemy can't do that to you. What he does is he just like lies and nags, <laughs> like constantly, like all the time. It's his favorite thing to do. To try to see if he can infiltrate your thought life to the point that you begin to go down that road of partnership with that lie that just brings you um, into a place where you're you just feel distant or you feel disconnected or or whatever and it's just it's just such a lie it's such a lie and it's just it's also it's not necessary it's not necessary because of who God is and because of who he created you to be it's just not necessary so I want to I want to encourage you with something. I want to challenge you with something. So let's do this. I don't know if I finished up my last previous thought or not, but this is what I want to get to. I want to go to Colossians chapter three. And the key verse I want to give you is verse 15. And this is where I want us to find the title of this uh, sort of, you know, podcast video, whatever is uh, the strategy strategy for dealing with peace excuse me, strategy for dealing with stress, anxiety, worry, stuff like that. And I think we find a really good, simple biblical strategy right here in Colossians 3.15. Let me read into it though, because I think it's cool. Uh, Colossians 3 verse 12, I'll start there. Therefore, as the elect of God, by the way, that's you. You are the elect of God. The elect does not refer to those who have the biggest ministries and those that have the strongest prophetic voices. The elect of God are every single one of us, okay? You are the elect of God, holy and beloved. You are holy. You are set apart. You are beloved of God. Put on, he says, tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. The reason I wanted to read that because we're going to get into, in verse 15, we're going to start talking about the peace of God and defining what that means to us. But the reason I wanted to read these couple of verses leading into it is because so often, so much 
of the stuff that we allow to stress us out and cause anxiety and worry and disconnect in our lives. So much of it, not all of it, but so much of it is related to people. It's related to our relationships with people. And it could be this. It could be that you've got something that's just like, you know, eating away at your mind. And then people tend to exacerbate that thing right? Like you get behind that person who's just really slow walking and they're taking up too much of the sidewalk and you can't get around them. Like it just begins to drive you crazy. You get behind that slow driver, you know, it begins to mess with your mind. You know, it, it causes you to have those things that are already on the inside of you to just be, what's the word exacerbated? I don't know if I, I feel like I'm not saying that word the right way, but anyway, maybe I did. Um, just to, to be amplified, right? And so, so much of our issues and problems, you know, you, you go through a breakup or somebody disappoints you, somebody offends you, somebody tears you down on social media, somebody, you know, um, defames your character in some way, somebody forgets about you or whatever, these things that happen in relationship with people because relationship with people is messy, but it's also necessary and we need it. And it's part of God's design for humanity it's part of God's design for his people, for his church to be in relationship and community with each other. And so, you know, we can allow so many things to disrupt our day, to, to disrupt our peace. And a lot of it becomes related to other people, to our relationships and our interactions with other people. And so he's like, look, put on tender mercies, kindness, like just kindness. Kindness is such a word I think we don't use very often. Um, it's being kind to people. It's like going out of your way to do something for somebody, you know, that you didn't have to do. You didn't have to do it. Maybe they didn't even deserve it. But just like being kind, humility. Okay, that's a that's a big one. I don't even have time to do that. Meekness, long suffering. Sometimes we've got to suffer long with people. We can be really quick to write people off, especially when we're in a mood, especially when we're in a pity party because we're going through something or whatever. We can be so quick to write people off. Look, sometimes we've got to be long suffering. A good word for that. It's, it's kind of like patience, you know, but it's, it's love does that love. The Bible says suffers long love suffers long and is kind. And so in, in walking with people, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, let's, let's go on to 14. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. What if we began to allow our love for God and our love for people to really be the thing that would motivate us the most, more than anything else? Because when I'm motivated by other stuff, like when I'm motivated by fear, um, what happens? <laughs> I focus on myself. I focus on what I need. I focus on things that can be selfish, right? I focus on things that do not put me in a position to effectively love the people that are in front of me. And so when I'm motivated by anything other than love, then I'm probably going to get into um, a place in my mind where I don't want to be. But he says, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. I love the passion translation there for that phrase, the bond of perfection. It says the mark of maturity, the mark of maturity, putting on love is the mark of maturity or the bond of perfection. You know, oh man, I, I think that we try to define maturity in so many other ways, but guess what? The way that the Bible defines maturity is when you can put on love. In the midst of the crap that you're going through, when you can choose to put on love and you can love others, you know, you can put others ahead of yourself. You can esteem others' needs as better than yourself. Not getting so caught up on my my rights. These are my rights and you're trampling on my rights. Like so many things. I, I think that we just get so caught up on us sometimes. And that's not the mark of maturity, though. The mark of maturity is when you can esteem others better than yourself, when you can love other people. All right. So verse 15, this is what I really wanted to get to. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were also called in one body and be thankful. I just want to point out because I was talking about other people and stuff like that. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were also called in one body and be thankful. You and I, we've been called in Christ in one body. And that's important. 
It's important because we can't get along with people. <laughs> if we can't get along with people, if we can't give people the benefit of the doubt sometimes, if we can't choose to put on love and meekness and kindness and long suffering with people, then we're probably going to be miserable and we're probably not going to experience peace because so much of life is related to other people. So he's like, but he says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. So that comes down to an individual thing. I have to let the peace of God rule in my heart to, to which we were also called. So we are called to peace. We are called to peace, but we're called to peace in one body. That means we're supposed to be united. It means we're supposed to treat each other well. We're supposed to honor each other. It doesn't mean that we have to agree with every person, but it does mean that we continue to demonstrate love and honor to people and we esteem others as better than ourselves. It doesn't mean I've got to put myself down to esteem you highly. No, but it means that I put your needs. Sometimes I put your needs above my own needs because love will do that. Love will cause me to stop looking out for number one and cause me to start looking out for others. That's what love does. And I think when we live like that, we effectively demonstrate the love of God. But peace is connected to this. Peace is connected to this. We're called in one body. We're called in one body to peace. But it starts on this level of me and you on an individual level. I've got to let the peace of God rule in my heart. Now, what does that actually mean? <laughs> That's what I want to get to. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Well, the word let tells me that it means it's something that you have a responsibility over, first of all, that I have responsibility to allow the peace of God to operate in my life. But that word rule, okay, the word rule means to, it, it's like to call the shots. It's like to be an umpire. If you go to a baseball game, the home plate umpire, he's calling all the shots, right? He he's he's calling it, whether it's a ball or a strike. He's telling batters to you know take their base or they're out or whatever. He's also throwing people out of the game when they're losing their cool, when they're you know when they're being excessive, when they're crossing the boundaries. He's got ultimate authority essentially to he can throw a player out, he can throw a coach out or a manager. Like he can toss those people say you're out, and then they can't come back. I think that's the funniest thing ever. Like, like the manager, he's like, he's like, he's like, you're out of here. And then they've got to go, they've got to walk and they've got to go uh, back to the, uh, you know, locker room or the office or whatever. And they're not allowed to come back in the game. The umpire has that kind of authority. So look, let the peace of God have ultimate authority in your life. Let the peace of God rule. Let the peace of God be that which calls the shots in your life. This is the strategy. This is the strategy for peace. Let the peace of God be that that has the authority to govern your life. Because how often do we allow other things, other people, other, um, other thoughts, worries, concerns, opinions of other people? We allow so many other things. We allow our limitations. We allow our lack or our problems to call the shots in our lives. Well, I can't do that because of this. Well, I have this problem. And so there's no way I could ever have that. I've been poor. I've been broke all my life. I've struggled all my life. So there's no way I could have this. There's no way I could ever get there. There's no way I could ever live in that kind of neighborhood or have those kinds of things. There's no way I could ever get this business off the ground because you know what? I just don't have the support that I need. I don't have the connections. I don't have the relationships. I don't have the family history. I don't have the money. I don't have the, I don't have the, I don't have the, I don't have the, right? We can allow so many other things to dictate the way that we think, the way that we act, the way that we treat people. And <laughs> right here, we actually have another option. And it's just, I believe that this is just an invitation from God to every single one of us. Let the peace of God. It's like, like we read in Matthew chapter 11. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light, right? Give me those things that are stressing you out, that are frustrating you. And instead, I'm inviting you to enter into my rest. I'm, I'm inviting you to enter into my peace. And that is a constant, ongoing reality. It's not that I have peace today because my circumstances are peaceful. 
but we'll see how tomorrow goes. That's not what it is. You can have peace in the midst of the most out of control, raging storm. You can still have peace and you can still operate from a place of rest. Because here's the thing. Let's just do this and I'll come back. In Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 says, For he himself, talking about Jesus, is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Okay, he's made both one. Now there is this argument going on about Jew and Greek, about circumcised and uncircumcised. There was this argument that it went on for, for years at the early stages of the church because there was this thing like before Jesus came, there was the law. They, they had lived under the law. And so there were these rules. And one of the things was circumcision was like the sign that you were in covenant relationship with God. You had to be snipped. All right. In order to be in covenant relationship with God. That was Old Testament. That was under the law. That is not the new. That is not included in the new covenant of grace. It's not. So there was this, but there was arguing going on. There are all these different things. There's like, oh, the Jews and the Greeks, and 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 if you're if if you're not a Jew, then you need to do this, and we got to figure this out. And if you really want to be in covenant relationship with God, then you've got to do. And there were there was this argument over like, should we put these rules and regulations on people? And eventually, they got that stuff sorted out. But that's what was going on. So there was still this idea of separation between Jew and Greek or Jew and Gentile. There was still this idea of us and them. There was this separation thing. But so based on that, let me read this verse again. For Jesus himself is our peace who has made both the Jew and the Greek, the circumcised and the uncircumcised. He's made them both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. That word peace the word peace here, the word peace that we read in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, that word peace is the Greek word eirene, and it means, one of the meanings of that word is to set at one again. To set at one again. Let me read this one more time. He himself, Jesus, by the way, Jesus is your peace. That's why peace is constant. That's why peace is an ever-present ongoing reality, no matter how bad your circumstances are, because he does not change and he lives on the inside of you. Guess what? Peace himself lives on the inside of you. He lives in you and he lives in me. His peace is a constant reality and promise for every single one of us. So here we go. Jesus Christ is our peace. He is the one who sets things at one again. He's made both one and he's broken down the middle wall of separation. There's a principle I like to pull out of here. Wherever Christ is established at the center, there is peace. There's a verse that we love to, to sing about. It's uh, It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, I guess it is. Um, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We Awesome worship songs about, about that verse, right? Love it. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Wherever the Lord, where, wherever, wherever the, in the, sorry, I just want to make sure I say this right. In the areas of my life, now I'm just taking this, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring a little bit of a deeper meaning out of this verse. Where where the where I allow him to be Lord in my life. Lord means that he's in charge. He's the he's the captain, like he's the one calling the shots, right? I allow him, I've allowed him to be Lord in my life. There's freedom there. But maybe I haven't given this over to him yet. I'm still holding on to that. I'm still holding on to this issue, this aspect, this thing. I'm having a hard time surrendering this. I don't want to surrender it. My pride's getting in the way. Whatever it is, I'm holding on to this thing. I'm not letting God take control of this area of my life. I'm not giving it over to him. Guess what? That's fine, but I'm not going to be I'm not going to experience freedom in that area. I'm not. I'm just not. I'm not going to experience the fullness of his freedom. Freedom is something that he's given to us, but it's also something that we have to walk in. We have to choose to walk in freedom. Just like peace belongs to you, but you have to choose to walk in it. Just like you've been invited to enter into the rest of God, but you have to choose to walk in it. Like he's done all these, he's done everything for us. 
He's invited us into an amazing, amazing lifestyle where we actually get to experience heaven on earth. But we've got to let, <laughs> we've got to let the peace of God rule. We've got to walk in it. We've got to walk in him. We've got to walk in his truth. We've got to walk in his promises. And there's a process, right? There's a process. And, and so I have areas of my life that I haven't surrendered to him yet. There's areas of my life that, that I'm probably not even aware of that I'm holding on to. And, and, and he just, he's just constantly just kind of peeling back the layers of let's go, let's go after this because I want you to have more freedom. Let's go after this because I want you to have a greater experience of my presence. Like just, just peeling back those things that are actually holding me back from experiencing the fullness of what he came to accomplish for me. Right. And so he is our peace and he makes he peace causes things to be set at one again. And so let's read that verse again in, in Colossians chapter five, verse 15. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you are also called in one body and be thankful. So two parts to this. I just want to give you this quick strategy and we'll wrap this up. Two parts to this. Number one, when you are overwhelmed, when you are, when you feel like you're losing control, when you're stressed out, when what whatever it is because you can't pay your bills or because you're dealing with that sickness you're dealing with that addiction that problem that relational issue can't find a job you know whatever it is when you're when you're dealing with something and it's overwhelming you it's stressing you out it's causing you to have worry anxiety it's causing you to be fearful frustrated angry confused remember who god is and remember who you are Remember the fact that you belong to him. Remember the reality of this promise that nothing, like, like he would never leave you, he'll never forsake you, that nothing separates you from him, that you are his child, that you belong to him. So let the peace of God rule. That It sets us at one again. It's like a reset button. It, it sets us at one again. When we're in that just confusion, when we're in that downward spiral of fear, it's like, hold on a second, no. I'm not going to allow this to take over. I'm not going to allow this to take over. I'm not going to allow this to put me in that pit of despair. I'm not going to allow this to ruin my day. I'm not going to allow this to steal my joy. I'm just not going to allow it. So what am I going to do? Okay, God, I'm just going to remember. I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to remember who you are. And I'm just going to allow your peace to, to set me at one again. You know what? Peace is always restored in the place of worship. Always. One of my favorite verses ever, Job 22, 21, says, Acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. Thereby, good will come to you. Acquaint yourself with him. That word acquaint is pretty cool. If we take it at service level for what acquaint means in the English, it's it's a pretty cool, you know, it's pretty cool that way too. It's like acquaint yourself, get to know him, get close to him, develop friendship with him and be at peace. Uh, I, I love that. That's great. But if we get deeper into the meaning of that word, that word was actually a Hebrew word for ministry. How do we minister to God? <laughs> well, I think the primary way we minister to God is through worship, right? And so when we make it about him, when we focus on him, when we, when we make a choice to serve him, when you choose to worship God in the midst of your frustration, let me tell you, that drives the devil insane. It makes him want to just flee from you. Like when you're going through something difficult, something tragic, and you just choose, you know what, devil? I'm not going to let you have my joy. I'm not going to let these circumstances have my joy. I'm not going to let that news person on TV steal my joy. Like I'm not going to let any of this stuff. I'm not going to. I'm just not going to allow it to happen. Why? Because you've given me joy and because you are my peace and because you haven't left me and because you haven't left your throne and because you haven't stopped being in charge of all of, of, of all of my life. God, I'm not going to give into these temptations to just surrender my life to fear, to worry, to anxiety, to stress. I'm not going to do it because I don't need to do it because you've given me a higher reality that I can cling to. 
when I'm overwhelmed, lead me to that rock that is higher than I. And so when I acquaint myself with him, when I just begin to focus on him in the midst of turmoil, God, you're good. God, you're faithful. God, I thank you for your love. You just begin to turn your affections toward him. Peace is restored. Peace is restored. When you reconnect with peace, <laughs> your peace is restored. And so again, Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. I want to give you the second part of it. So the first part, you know, when you're frustrated, when, when stuff's not working out, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Don't allow the circumstances to rule, to call the shots, but just come back to that place of oneness with God where you're just like, God, hold on a second. I'm going to choose to remember right now who you are. I thank you that I'm your child and I belong to you. And therefore, there's no circumstance that's going to take me out. There's no circumstance. There's nothing that's going to happen to me that's going to convince me that it's over, that I don't have what it takes because nothing's bigger than you. All right. And part two, I love part two, to which you were also called in one body and be thankful. Thankfulness is a big deal. Thanksgiving is a big deal. It really is. And uh, <laughs> in Psalm 116, verse 17, it talks about the sacrifice of Thanksgiving. The fact that we can offer to God a sacrifice of Thanksgiving, it means that we don't have to want to do it. it it's and it, and it doesn't mean that it's not effective. You might be going through something and feeling horrible. Guess what? I just want to encourage you, like, bring God a sacrifice of Thanksgiving. And it doesn't have to be anything super profound. God, I just want to thank you. You know, you don't have to thank God for that negative circumstance because he didn't cause it. So let's not get weird and religious and super spiritual on this. God, I just want to thank you for this problem that I'm going through right now. Like, no, God didn't give you that problem. God didn't cause that. All right. God didn't cause that sickness. God didn't bring that storm into your life. You know how I know? Well, there's lots of ways that I know. Well, one of the ways that I know <laughs> is because of something that we mentioned earlier. Jesus stood up and rebuked the storm and the storm stopped. How is Jesus going to be rebuking something that the father sent? It doesn't make sense because they're one. Right. And so we have we have permission to stand in authority that he's given to us and to tear down strongholds. Because he's given us power and authority. He gave us power and authority over sickness. Why would he give us power and authority over something that he causes? You ever thought about that? Like he doesn't cause these things. God did not make you sick. So don't you don't need to thank him for the sickness. But what you can do is you can begin to thank him for his goodness in the midst of the storm that you're going through. What you can do is begin to anchor your hope and your faith and your confidence and your trust in something higher in a higher truth, like in the promise of healing, in the promise of divine health. Yeah, but I don't see it yet. Yeah, that's why it's really meaningful. Because in the midst of circumstances that are contrary to God's word, you know, if the circumstances aren't lining up with God's word, what do you think needs to change? God's word or your circumstances? I'm pretty sure God's word trumps your circumstances. God's word trumps my circumstances. Now, sometimes I'm in the circumstances and I'm focusing more on the, on the circumstances <laughs> than I am on the promise of his word. And that's why I get overwhelmed. But when you come back to that place of just remembering that he's set you at one and he's given you his presence and he's given you his peace and he's given you everything that you need and you just remember to become thankful, There's something so powerful about just choosing to be thankful, choosing to give thanks. When you could really easily choose to complain, you could really easily choose to be in your pity party. Guess what? You can be in your pity party. Like you can spend the rest of the day in your pity party. You can spend the rest of the week, the month, the year, whatever, in your pity party. And God's still gonna love you exactly the same. But guess what? You're gonna miss out on so much that he has for you because you're focused on your pity party instead of focusing on God, lead me to the rock. That is higher than I. When we choose to be thankful, you know, I, I've just, for me, thankfulness, choosing to become thankful, choosing to give thanks in the midst of perplexing circumstances, there's nothing that I've found that gets me sort of back into alignment quicker than that. 
It just shifts everything. It shifts my attitude. It shifts my perspective. It shifts my outlook. When I begin to focus on him in the midst of it, you know what? You know what? This is, this is real. This is what's going on. I'm not denying that my problems exist because that's not helpful. It's not helpful. Those problems that you have, they're real. All right. So let's just get over that. The problems that you have are real. We are not pretending the problem does not exist. But we can deny the influence that that problem has in our mind when we allow the peace of God to call the shots in our hearts. When we allow the peace of God to rule, to have the governing authority within us that actually dictates the way that we act, think, respond. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when I, when I, just, when I anchor my hope and my belief and my faith in who God is, I can enter into his rest and I can allow his peace to, sh to, to be, to consume me, to overwhelm me. What if we became more overwhelmed by God than by our problems? What would happen? God wants to overwhelm your problems, but it doesn't happen when you, when you stay in that place of being overwhelmed. Now, look, you can be overwhelmed by something. Like David said, when I'm overwhelmed, it happens. You're going to get overwhelmed, but don't stay there. Don't allow that thing to overshadow you. Don't allow that thing to rob you of your joy. Just don't allow that to happen. Instead, lead me, Holy Spirit, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. I want to focus. I want to lift up my eyes and I want to focus on a higher reality. I want to focus on a higher truth. I want to focus on something that's real. I don't want to be bogged down and confused and destroyed by my problems and by my issues. What I want to do is I want to direct my heart and my, and my attention toward you, God, because you are the only solution that I need. And so remember when you're going through something, remember to just, just remember, just remember who God is. Remember that you belong to him, that you are safe and secure. And then just even if it's difficult, even if it's a sacrifice, just allow that thanksgiving, that thankfulness. So, God, I just thank you. I thank you for your love. God, I thank you for what you've done for me. God, I thank you that you're faithful in the midst of what I'm going through. God, I thank you that you cause all things to work together for my good. God, I thank you that you're bigger than this problem. That I'm, God, I thank you for the promise of your word. God, I thank you for divine health. I'm not experienced, I don't, you know, the, I have this problem, but God, I thank you for your promise of healing and divine health. I thank you for the promise that you are my provider. God, I thank you right now that you are my provision, that you are my source, that you are my, my peace. You're my comforter. You're everything that I need, God. Here's what's interesting that I, that I often find, you know, you, you, you can begin to give God thanks as a sacrifice. You can begin to be grateful as a sacrifice. But what I've found is that that thing that starts off as a sacrifice almost always just turns into something that just begins to bubble up and to overflow out of you. You know, it might it might just sound like words that you don't even really believe at first. But just lean into it. Just just be willing to do that because I I believe that it moves the heart of God. You know, when you're, when you are troubled with something and you choose to give God worship in the midst of that, that moves the heart of God. That actually, you know what that does? That actually gives the devil a beat down. You know, complaining about it just kind of continues to feed that fire. It, it, it kind of feeds that, that beast. But when you choose worship, when you choose to serve him, to minister to him, to acquaint yourself with him, when you choose to give him thanks in the midst of that storm that you're going through, it feeds something else. <laughs> it, it really does. It really does. And it begins to shift the way that you think, begins to shift your attitude, and it just brings you quickly back into this place of alignment with God so that he can actually fight your battles for you. So. Anyway, um, I really, I really hope that this was, I, I, I talked for a lot and a lot more that I could share, a lot more that I can get into, but um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. I, I appreciate anybody who 
check this out, whether watching live, watching later, listening on one of the podcast platforms, really, really appreciate it. Um, I really just think that this is such a big deal because I think that so often and often unbeknownst to us without us even realizing it, we allow stress, worry, anxiety, fear, frustration. We allow things, emotions, uh, we allow people and circumstances, we allow things to take over and to call the shots in our life. And I really just want to encourage you, if that's happening, that's going on, if you're stressed out, if you're confused, if you're concerned, if you've got issues, if you've got problems that you're dealing with, if you're up against the wall in an impossible situation, just really want to encourage you. And uh, I hope that this was encouraging to you. Um, I just want to encourage you to rest in the Lord, rest in his faithfulness, rest in him. Just rest in that place of confidence and trust in God because he's already made a way for you. Even if you can't see it right now, he's already made a way for you. He's faithful. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. Remember who he is. Remember who you are in him, that you belong to him. And just make make it a, a conscious thing to go back to that place of worship, exalting him, honoring him, giving him glory, giving him thanks in the midst of what you're going through. And your attitude will begin to shift and uh, just come back into alignment with his way of thinking. And when that happens, I mean, we're transformed, right, by the renewing of our minds. That's where transformation happens. That's where change begins to take place. When we bring our minds into alignment with his, with his way of thinking. And so, anyway, I love y'all. Thank you so much for being here. Really, really appreciate this. If this episode added any kind of value to your day or anything like that, I'd consider you, uh, I would appreciate it if you would consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review. Uh, if there's someone that you know that comes to your mind that you think is going through a difficult time that's been stressed out a lot or something like that, um, share this with them. I, I think, uh, anyway, I hope that it's a blessing to you and maybe it could bless some other people in your life as well. Really appreciate you guys. Don't worry, we'll be back on Monday. I have an awesome guest planned for you on Monday. I have some really awesome guests coming up over the next month. I think it's going to be awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. So thank you guys. Hope you have an awesome day. Don't forget if you're interested, you can register for my, uh, the online course, completely free introduction to a life of miracles. It's going to kick off this Tuesday night at 7 PM central time. You can register on my Facebook page at DK Lamastra, and I'd love to connect with you further there. Thank you. all have an awesome week and I'll see you next time.